Hi, Pastor Chuck here, and I want to say thank you for listening with us today. Hope this message from God's Word encourages you, challenges you, inspires you, and reminds you of how much God loves you. We've been doing this series called What God Can Do, and uh, I titled it God at Work. Uh, that's kind of playing off that old idea of the men at work. But we looked at, at what God can do. We looked first week at, at what God could do through a mother who was facing the, the very real challenge that her son may be taken away from her and put to death. Uh, that mother being Jochebed, Moses' mother. And we watched uh, what God could do through her faith, through her willingness to trust God. And then after we watched Jochebed and her faith, her willingness to do and say, okay, God, I'm putting him in your hands. Then we watched uh, an unnamed widow woman go to Elisha and say, look, I'm in this bind. My sons are about to be taken away from me because of a debt uh, and my husband has passed away and I don't know what to do. And we watched her faith and her obedience turn into God solving her problem, the way that God could work in a mighty way. Last week, we took a little different approach. We looked at what God could do through his word. And we saw how this Ethiopian eunuch was searching for answers, searching for something. And he had a passage of of Isaiah he was reading. And God worked a miracle to bring Philip right beside him at the very moment he needed it to explain to him what he was reading so he could receive Christ as a Savior. The amazing things that God can do. So as we look at that idea of what God could do today, I want us to, to look at one of the Psalms. You guys know I love the, love the Psalms. So our reading this morning is going to be Psalm chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. It says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So we see in this psalm, this is a psalm of David. I started in the second half. I, I tend to get a little bit wordy, so I wanted to keep it short. So I, I only chose half of the psalm. Uh, and, but if you look at the beginning of the psalm, it, it clarifies it is a psalm of David. It's referred to as a mictum, which is that word that means golden, one of the, the golden psalms. Um, and uh, in this passage, David is crying out to God. He's uh, calling out to him. And here in verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord. Why? For what he's done, for what he is doing. David says, because of all that God has done for me and all that God is doing right now in my life, I'm going to bless him. Remember, I've talked every week as we go through this, that God is, it has worked in your life. He's working in your life right now, and he is going to work in the future. He may be doing something we don't see yet. Like we saw last week, that Ethiopian eunuch had no idea God was world bringing uh, Philip from, you know, to, to a long ways away to put him in the path. He's going to ride right by in his chariot. He didn't know God was working all that. All he knew was, I don't understand this. God is at work in our lives right now. And David says, I'm going to bless the God. I'm going to bless God because I'm going to praise the Lord because of what he has done and what he is doing and what I know he is going to do. He says he, he has given me counsel. God has given us instruction. He's given us direction. That's what David is thankful for. Aren't, aren't there times that we say, I just, need, I just need to know what the next step is. I just need to know what to do now. I just need some direction. He says, God will give that to us. He says, my rains also instruct me in the night season. That, that word rains is an interesting one. Um, it's actually a word that literally means kidneys, um, but you can tell it, it's used here in, in more of a uh, uh, an analogy or more of a poetic form, um, and it's, it's used you know several places in that same way. It, it really means your innermost being, your heart, what what drives you. It's the you know the the insides of you. 
He's saying, my insides also instruct me in the night seasons. When things are tough, when, when things are difficult and, and, and challenging, you know, the, the inside of me that's, that's going over all this. What do you think about when you lie in bed at night? David decided to think about God, to focus on him. I got to admit, this passage really challenged me this week as I was looking at it. I have a tendency sometimes to lay down at night and my mind just goes over a million things, things I'm worried about, things I'm concerned about, things I don't know what to do about. And all these things can overwhelm us sometimes at night. And, and I think that's what David's describing here is how those moments when you just kind of feel overwhelmed. And for me, it happens a lot at night. Maybe for you, it's a different time of day. Maybe it's a, when you get to work or whatever the, 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 the trigger may be that causes you to think of all these things and the, the anxiety and stress to build up. David says, I'm going to turn all that over to God. I'm going, to let, I'm going to focus on God during those times. I'm going to, I'm going to turn that anxiety into prayer. I'm going to let, I'm going to let my, my inner side, innermost being, who I am on the inside, I'm going to let that instruct me in the night seasons. I'm going to let God be the one to give me counsel. That's what we need to do with our lives as well. Let's turn it over to him. And, and trust me, I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning because she knows that. The verse 7 says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I just, I just love that, that the way he words that. I'm, I'm going to bless God because he's the one that will give me direction. Even when I worry and strain for it, I'm going to stress. I'm going to bless the Lord. This is a, a Christian standard translation of that. I thought it might be uh, kind of give you an idea of, of some of the different ways the, the translators looked at that. That second part where it talked about the rains inside the direct me. That, that, that's an idea. Even at night when my thoughts trouble me, when, when, when I'm worried, he, I will bless him because he will give me counsel. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. He says, I'm going to I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to make him be what I'm looking at. Yeah, I've got problems that are pretty big. I've got things that I need answers to. I've got things I don't know how I'm going to get through. But instead of focusing on those, I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to set him before me. I'm going to put him right there front and center and, and let him be my right hand. Let him be the one to, to watch over me and protect me. Psalm 16, 2 says, Oh, my soul, thou hast said in the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. This is just a, a few verses earlier when David is saying, God, I, I'm calling out to you. I'm making you my God. I'm making you uh, what's important in my life. He says, my goodness extends not to you. And that's an interesting phrase there, that my goodness extends not to thee. If you look at several commentaries, you'll see different people kind of in, in translating it different ways. Uh, they say it could mean that he's saying, you know, my goodness doesn't even compare to your goodness. We know that that's true. He's also saying that I have no goodness that didn't come from you. I have nothing in my life that's, that's good that you didn't bless me with. And, and there's just so many different ways. And as you look at it, say, well, which one is it? Well, I think we're, we're talking about David here, who was a, a skilled uh, poet uh, working under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I think it's all of those. I think he's given us an example here or a wording here that says there are so many angles to this. God, I don't have anything to offer you that's of any value to you because of your goodness, your greatness. Any, the best I can do doesn't even measure up, doesn't even offer you anything. He's also saying that I have nothing inside. Everything good about me, everything good that I have came from you. I can't give it to you because you're the one that gave it to me. And, uh, and so he's saying that, that that's I'm putting God as my focus. I'm making him be the center of who I am. Jeremiah 29, 11, you've heard this, this passage over and over. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, David knew what was being expected. David said, I'm going to focus on, on God and let you work in my life. 
See, I think sometimes we don't, God doesn't work or we don't see God at work because we're not letting him. We're not handing over the, the reins to him. We're not giving him control. You know, in this passage of Jeremiah, when, when God is speaking to the nation of Israel, he's saying, I have, I have plans for you. So a lot of the translations that interpret that is, is, I know the plans I have for you. He says, I've got things I want to do in your lives, but you're not letting me. You're, you're, not, uh, you're not cooperating. Where were the children of Israel? Were they enjoying God's blessings right now? No. They were facing 70 years of exile, of captivity. Because God, Why? Because God's mad at them? No. Because he doesn't like them? No. He loves them. He has plans for them. It's because they haven't let him work on their behalf. They've gone their own way. They've sought after the things they thought were going to bring them pleasure and them happiness and them satisfaction. And now God's saying, look, come back to me. I've got greater plans for you than what you're living out right now. I need you to come back to me. He's saying, I've got things I want to do for you, things I want to do with you. I have plans for you, but you, you need to turn your attention back to me. You know, all these distractions in the world, for them, it was other gods. It was uh, false gods, and they wanting to worship all the, the gods that the nations around them worship. Uh, maybe it's uh, worldly pleasures. Maybe it's just things we want to accomplish and things we want to do and, and things we want to enjoy. Yeah, sometimes they're not even bad things. They're just things that distract us from God. All these other things uh, that, that, that can vie for our attention, they're actually holding us back from what God wants to do in our lives and what he's trying to accomplish in us and through us. You know, a little bit later in this book of Jeremiah, uh, God would urge them to call out to him. Jeremiah 33, verses 2 to 3 says, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Notice how he reminds them of the one we're depending on, the one that we're calling out to, the one who can make things happen, the maker. Maker of what? Yes, the maker of, of whatever uh, he promises, whatever he promises, whatever he plans, whatever it is you're asking God to do, he is capable of making that happen. He is the maker, the one that formed it, that it being whatever he chooses it to be, whatever uh, is, is in his plan, he can make it happen. He just wants us to give him the reins and leave them there. I mentioned before uh, several times throughout this study, sometimes we give God control. Say, okay, God, I need you to handle this. And then he fixes things a little bit. And we go, okay, I got this back now. I'm going to run with it. And we kind of pull things back and we take it over. Or we start to say, okay, God, I'm going to let you handle this. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And the next thing you know, what are we doing? We're worrying about it again. We're, we're trying to solve it on our own. He wants us to give him the reins and leave it there. Notice what he says, call unto me. Call on him. And notice what his response is. He says, I will answer thee. He says, all you've got to do is, is let me work and I will work on your behalf. It's just a matter of you choosing me. It's not a matter of me deciding, okay, let me do something for them. Let me do something in their life. I've already got plans for you. I just need you to call out and say, okay, God, you work. I'm giving control to you. I'm giving my life to you. I'm letting you lead and you guide in everything that I do. And he says, you do that, I will answer. And I'll show you things you can't even imagine. How did Paul describe it in Ephesians 3, 20? He says, now unto him that is able to do abundantly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that work within us. Sounds a lot like what he's saying here, right? He can do so much more than we can even imagine. Sounds, sounds just like what he's saying here. He says, I'll show you great and mighty things you have no idea about. That's what God can do when we focus on him and let him work. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. David said, that's what I'm doing. I am setting him before me. He's my focus. 
And, and notice the benefit. He says uh, uh, he, he was at my right hand. See, the right hand was a, a, a place where you had protection, availability, accessibility. Uh, one aspect of that right hand uh, uh, analogy there is, is is one of battle. David was a soldier. He was a warrior. He knew uh, what it was like to go into battle with, with other men. And as they would go into battle, typically for a, a right-handed person, which the majority of them would be, um, the, you would carry your sword in your right hand and your shield would be in your left hand. So as you're entering battle, your weakness, your vulnerability is that right side because that's where you're, you're fighting with your sword. Your shield's on the other side. Your weakness is right there. You can't have the, the shield in front of you and, and fight through it. You can't have the shield blocking things uh, and still be able to use that sword. It has to be off to the side and you're, and you're fighting. So the person to your right, they're providing protection for you. Their shield is on your side. Their shield is, is giving you protection. That's what God does for us. He's, he's our protector. He's the one that, 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 that comforts us. Also, the person on the right hand is, is there for, for counsel, and, and, and there, there's a closeness there. there. There's an availability there. He's saying God is right there waiting. That's true in your life. You need God? He's waiting. He's right there. He's, he's not some far off place uh, on vacation. I'll get to you when I get back. He's there waiting, saying, call unto me. I will answer you. Notice uh, um, uh, in Psalm 108, verse 13. So this is one of the, the, another one of those psalms I love. I have several psalms that, that just always keep coming back to my mind. This is one of them. Psalm 108, 13 says, through God, we shall do valiantly. Through God, we shall do amazing things. Through God, we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. See, whatever your battle is you're facing, Whatever it is that keeps you awake at night, worrying, you don't have to fight that battle alone. He it is that shall tread down your enemies. Giving God the battle brings peace within us. Notice verse 9 here. He says, therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. He says, my heart is glad because I finally say, okay, God, you're going to fight for me. You're going to be the one that I'm trusting in. You're going to be the one that I'm, I'm looking to for counsel and for direction and, and for guidance. And because of that, I can rest. Because of that, I can have peace. I, I can rejoice. My heart can be glad. And he says, my glory rejoices. That word glory is, is the word kabod, and it, it, it means like a weight. Uh, but used figuratively, it means like splendor or, or glory or honor. Basically, what it's saying is who you really are. What makes you up? The Hebrews often use the word tongue there. That's why the Septuagint, uh, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, when it uh, translated, it used the Greek word tongue right there for, for glory. He says, my tongue rejoices, because that's what the, the Hebrews would use for that, because that was the, the tongue was what they had been given by God to, to, to glorify him. That's why in, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter's quoting this passage of Scripture, he says he uses the word, my tongue shall rejoice, meaning who I am, who, what really drives me, what really motivates me. I like what Albert Burns, how Albert Burns describes this uh, word and the meaning thereof. He says, the meaning here is that whatever there was in him that was honorable, dignified, or glorious, all the faculties of his soul, as well as his heart, had occasion to rejoice in God. That's what David said. Everything about me, this allows me to rejoice when I say, okay, God, I'm letting you take control. I'm letting you be in charge. I'm letting you work in my life. And I'm going to sit back and, and enjoy what you're doing and be a part of what you're doing. Notice it says, my flesh also shall rest in hope. That word rest there is one that means to dwell, to live. He says, I'm going to set up my home right here. And that word hope is one that means confidence. He says, I'm going to live in confidence. 
I'm going to be able to walk in confidence and know, you know what? I, I may not know what's going on. I may not have everything figured out. I may not have anything figured out, but I've got confidence today because God's on my side because God's working things out. And all I've got to do is focus on him and be obedient to him and, and, and surrender to him. And he's going to work these things out on my behalf. This is how we go forward in life. Even if we don't know the next step, we let God lead. He says in verse 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. David says, I'm trusting you with everything, even my soul, even with the part of my life that I have no knowledge about what happens at the end of this life. I'm trusting you with all of that. Even when what happens after this life is over, I'm giving it to you. That word hell there is the word Sheol. It means the, the realm of the dead. And based on the, the context, it can mean uh, hell, as we know it in the New Testament, uh, the place of, of punishment, the uh, separation from God. Or it can mean uh, you know, different things, but it's, it's talking about that, that point after life, the, the, uh, the, the realm when we leave this, this life and into the next. He says, you won't leave, my, you won't leave me there. You, you won't abandon me when this life is over. You, know, you won't stop taking care of me even when I die. You have plans for me even then. What were those plans? He says, and then he says, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, when he says that holy one, he's not talking about himself here. He's not saying you won't let me see corruption. You won't let me uh, deteriorate in the ground. You won't let me or stay dead. He's not saying that. At all. He's saying you have a plan for me when this life is over. What is that plan? It's the Messiah. It's the, the one you're going to send, the holy one that's going to come and die for my sins. It's taking my, my sins away, and I'm going to be able to, to have a resurrected life and live with you for eternity because of what this Messiah is going to do. Because you're not going to let the Messiah see corruption. You're not going to let him die. Peter quotes this passage. If this, this psalm sounds familiar to you, it's because Peter quotes it uh, there in Acts chapter 2 as he's preaching to the crowd and explaining to them that Jesus was that holy one. He was the Messiah that had been promised. And he points out to them at that point, he says, you know, that, that David wasn't talking about himself when he was uh, saying this about not seeing corruption. He reminds the audience, the crowd that day, <coughs> as they're there, he says, you know, David's body is still, uh, his, his, his remains are still in the tomb uh, just outside of town. Not very far from here. You can go and you can see where David was buried. His, his remains are still there. He saw corruption. His body has, has corrupted. He says he wasn't talking about himself. David was saying that the Messiah would not see corruption, the Holy One. And, uh, and Jesus fulfilled that when he rose from the grave. On that third day, when he came out, he says, even death can't stop me. The grave can't hold me back. I am the maker. I can make anything happen. Have you put your trust in Jesus? That's the key today to tapping into God's power. Jesus said in John 3, 16, the passage we all know and, and quote, that, that, you know, that God uh, sent his only son, that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, our bodies will one day be put into the ground. And if the Lord tarries long enough, our bodies will begin to decay. That's not the end. He says if we put our trust in him, we have everlasting life. We have forgiveness of our sins right now. And we have a hope, a confidence of what's going to happen in the future. That's where our confidence comes from. That's where our strength comes from. That's why Paul can say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you have that confidence today? Have you put your faith and trust in him? And are you letting him work in and through you? Psalm 16, back to our, our verse there, he says, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The path of life. Isn't that what we all want? 
Is that what we, we search for direction? God gives, he'll tell you that next step. He'll give you where you need to go. You know, we're, we're celebrating our graduates today uh, in our on-site service. And uh, we have one moving up from, uh, from elementary school. And uh, we have one that's graduated from uh, college. Would have two that graduated from college, but one of them's not here with us because he's off uh, finishing up uh, boot camp and, and things of that nature. But, you know, when you're those, those moments, when you're moving from one place and you're graduating, you're going to a next stage, and tell me what you want. You kind of want, what, where's my direction? What do I do now? What's the next step? And the funny thing is, it never ends there. I graduated back in 19, from high school back in 1991. It's been a long time ago. I'm still looking for direction. I'm still looking for what do I do next? Uh, you know, where's my next step? And that's what we all want is direction. He says, you will show me the path of life. If you trust God, he will give you that step. Remember back in verse 7, David said he would bless God because he had given him counsel. He given him direction. Proverbs 14 reminds us how important it is that we get direction from God. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know what? I, I can vouch for this verse. There are times that we say, this is what I need to do. This is what's best for me. This is what's going to bring me happiness. And all it brings is a separation. All it brings is further away from God. He says, there's a way that seems right to man. It looks all good. It looks like it should be a great idea. But it leads us to death, to separation, to, to being apart from God. The, the, the problem is we have to make that choice. We have to, we have to do the things uh, that, that are being asked of us. Proverbs 16, verse 9, the writer of Proverbs spoke, the, he gave us that, that challenge early on saying, sometimes we think we know what to do and it's not the right thing, but he gives us a kind of a, a path or a, a direction. He says, a man's heart devises his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. See, the, proverb, the writer of Proverbs here, he's like, okay, I know I created a challenge back there uh, that was, was kind of challenging and, and difficult to, to think about, that you can make decisions that sound really good and they're not right. He says, but there is a solution here. It's our hearts, our desires get us moving forward, and then God begins to give us the steps. Get moving. You see, Jochebed didn't know what to do when, when she ran into the situation of, of her son uh, potentially being taken away from her and killed. What did she do? She made a boat. <laughs> she did the only thing she needed to do right there. I'm going to make a boat, and then I'm going to just see what happens. I'm going to put him out there in the river. I, that's all I know to do right now. And God gave her the next step. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send Miriam, his sister, out to watch and see what happens with him. And then what happens, you know, God works all through that. And next thing you know, she's being called to, to Pharaoh's daughter and saying, look, I'll pay you to keep this baby if you want. She, she followed what she knew to do, and God directed the steps. The widow woman didn't know what to do, so she went to the prophet to seek God's direction. Don't know what to do? Do what God's putting in your heart and listen for him to give you the steps. There's a, a quote I've heard. I don't know who said it. I saw it in, the, in, a, in a book by John Eldridge. I've heard it attributed to Howard Thurman. I don't know who that is. But the quote really stood out to me. It says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. What the world needs to see out of the church is people who, who are living life and letting God lead them and letting God guide them and letting God work through them. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight thyself in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You you will know as you begin to learn to, to walk in the Spirit, to listen to the Holy Spirit. And John, uh, you know, that, that we can begin to do that. You guys think that verse in, in Psalms there when it says, delight thyself in the Lord to give you the desires of your heart. I mean, he would give me whatever I want. And, and I've learned over the years that what he really means is he'll place desires inside of us to do things. Interest, 
and, and, and goals, and he'll give us those desires. As we start moving towards him, he'll start filling in the gaps. He'll start directing our steps. That's We've been given the Holy Spirit. John reminds us of that. The fact that as we learn to walk in the Spirit, we learn to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, that, that we can know what to do. So in 1 John 2, 27, says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all of, the, of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it is taught you, ye shall abide in him. He says, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and it will give you guidance. It will give you direction. It will teach you what you need to know. Isn't that amazing? The key, abide in him. We have to just live in him. Let him begin to work. Always put God first. <coughs> Do what he's putting on your heart. But do it the right way. Do it his way. God's giving you a desire and a dream to, to, to do something. Begin working towards that and let God begin to lead you. But make sure we're doing it the right way. We're, we're doing the things that God wants us to do. We're not cutting corners and, and doing it the, the world's way just because we, that's the way you get to where we want to be. We're doing it like, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going I'm to pursue what you put in my heart. I'm going to let you lead me and guide me. And I'm going to be obedient to what you've taught me. Because you'll show me the path of life. Notice the result of that. My presence is fullness of joy. The right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. He'll show you the path that brings you to life. Let him. Result, according to David, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Are you giving God the proper place in your life? It's no secret what God can do. Will you put him in his proper place and let him work in your life?